as followers of Jesus Christ, I hope that we can all be in agreement there, that there's never an inopportune time, never an inopportune time to focus our attention on the life, on the ministry, on the saving work of Jesus, our Savior and our King. Which is why as a church, we're going to be embarking on a new journey together, a journey through the Gospel of Luke. Now, in the New Testament, many of you are familiar, there are four books at the beginning of the New Testament that we often call Gospels. Gospel is simply a word that means the good news. And although each of these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written from uh, a different vantage point to different audiences for different purposes, they all cover the same general ground, that is, the life and the ministry of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the co-creator of all life, and the Savior of the world. These books, though different, all have this common thread between them. And there's no shortage of material, I might add, uh, between these Gospels. I, I love how the Apostle John, the last of the four Gospel writers in our New Testament canon, ends his book. Have you ever read how John ends his Gospel? In John chapter 21, verse 25, I'll just read it for you. John says, now, there are also many other things that Jesus did... Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You believe that? The Apostle John says, man, there is no way that we could even begin to capture all that Jesus did in his earthly life and his ministry. And yet, in his perfect wisdom... God the Holy Spirit inspired these four unified accounts written by different men from different vantage points to different audiences and at times choosing to highlight different details. Yet all these gospel messages of Jesus' life and ministry focus on the core message for all life and living, the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. So our question today as we begin this journey is, why Luke? Why Luke's gospel? Well, in his opening lines, the writer Luke is going to spell out his purpose for us. In fact, he's the only gospel writer to do that, to come right out at the very beginning of his book and say, here's why I'm writing this. So let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn there to Luke's gospel chapter 1. As you find your place in Luke chapter 1, I'm going to take just a few minutes, since this is our first time focusing on this beautiful gospel, this beautiful book this morning, to, to paint some context, to, to set the table, as it were, for the book as a whole and what we'll encounter. Like all the gospels, we, uh, we refer excuse me, to this particular book by the name of its author. That's why we call it Luke, because Luke wrote the thing. Now, Luke was a Gentile, that is a non-Jew. He was a Gentile physician who was very close to the Apostle Paul. And in fact, Paul writes about Luke, I love this line, in Colossians chapter 4 and refers to Dr. Luke as the beloved 
physician. You can sense the the closeness there between Paul and Dr. Luke. And we're going to find that Luke, as we read, is very comprehensive in his writing. He takes great care to document this material on the life and ministry of Jesus in a way that's both thorough and orderly. So it's no surprise to us then, or it shouldn't be, that of all four Gospels, Luke's is the longest. Not in terms of chapters, if you're thinking chapters, Matthew's got Luke beat, but in terms of total word count, total breadth of writing, Luke's got more to his gospel account, more to say than any of the other three gospel writers. As a matter of fact, in terms of actual word count, actual length, Luke's gospel is the longest book in the entire New Testament. Some of you may be surprised to know that that between Luke's gospel and his sequel to it, which is the book of Acts, Luke's writings make up more than 28%, those two books, more than 28% of the entire New Testament. And, And we should be exceedingly grateful for that because Luke, guided by the Holy Spirit, gives us so much precious material that's found nowhere else and the entire canon of scriptures. So, for instance, only in Luke do we hear such an in-depth account of the birth of Jesus Christ. We get a little in Matthew. We get a glimmer from a very high level in John. But, but most of the material that we get from Jesus' birth and his early life is all from the Gospel of Luke. And, and John the Baptist's birth account, that's next week, only accounted for in depth in the book of Luke. By the way, Christmas is right around the corner. Advent kicks off in two weeks, and Luke is the perfect book to be studying this time of year. You can also take many other accounts. We won't have time to list them all, but uh, perhaps you've been ministered to in your faith journey by the story that Jesus tells of the rich man and Lazarus, only found in Luke. Perhaps the story of Mary and Martha has been like a balm to your soul or a reminder of what it means, not just to do things for Jesus, but to sit at his feet. That story of Mary and Martha only found in the Gospel of Luke. Perhaps you've heard about the disciples on the road to Emmaus, how their hearts burned within them as Jesus, whom their eyes could not comprehend after his resurrection, just unfolded for them the connections in the Old Testament and the goodness of the gospel. And, and then finally, as they sat down to eat and Jesus broke bread in front of them, their eyes were open. That beautiful account found only in the book of Luke. It's also important to note, I think, as a Gentile, that Luke, more than any other gospel writer, takes great care to chronicle Jesus' interactions with the poor. With the outcast, with the disenfranchised, with those who lack the proper Jewish pedigree, the, the, the proper spiritual background. So we see nowhere but in Luke, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It was a bit of a category breaker at that time for the Samaritan to be the good guy. Luke the Gentile reminds us that God's not a respecter of persons. We see the parable of the prodigal son highlighted at God's grand forgiveness in forgiving prodigals only here in the book of Luke. 
We see the account of the sinful woman who wets Jesus' feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair as she anoints him with precious ointment only here in the book of Luke. You see, Luke's gospel reminds us that the good news of Jesus is not just for the spiritually elite. After all, it would be Luke who would record Jesus saying in chapter 19, verse 10, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Aren't you glad? As we take time to, to center ourselves throughout the next weeks and months on this glorious gospel written for us by Dr. Luke, our prayer is that you would encounter Jesus, the King of the world, the risen Savior. He is indeed mighty to save and he's here. If you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're here today at Friendship Community Church, we want to invite you to lean in as we begin Luke's gospel together and as we share the goodness and the glory of Christ. All right, let's, uh, for the rest of our time this morning, begin to just break in to the introduction of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1, we're just going to be covering the prologue today, verses 1 through 4, and, and here will be our program. Here's, here's our goal. We're simply going to read this introduction, which, by the way, is one big sentence in Koine Greek. Luke is a, a very educated writer, as you'd expect from a physician at that time, and this is beautiful uh, writing in the original Greek. One big sentence, verses 1 through 4, we'll read it together, and then we'll work our way back through it, and just pick out one word or one simple concept per, per verse, one for each of the first four verses to highlight, and then we'll land the plane with a simple point of application uh, before we hit the week and, uh, and all that God's truth prescribes for us. So let's read together. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Luke writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke starts off his book. He starts off this gospel by saying, I want you to know I'm not trying to do anything new. Look back at verse 1 with me. He says, many have undertaken to do this, which makes sense. The events surrounding the life and the ministry of Jesus had literally turned the world upside down. So it would make much sense that people are writing about it. People are buzzing about the works that Jesus has done. Now, we're going to drill down just a bit deeper on how Luke chooses to describe these things that he and others are writing about. He says, we're writing about these things that have, his words, been accomplished. Do you see it there in verse 1? I'm writing about these things that we're writing about these things that have been accomplished. Now, literally translated from Greek to English, that phrase been accomplished means reached fulfillment. Actually, maybe some of your translations actually say the things that were fulfilled among us. This is fulfillment language. What's your point, Zeb? Well, these things are not merely things that 
transpired. It's not just that these things happened. Now, Luke is telling us here at the beginning of his gospel concerning the life, the ministry of Jesus, that these were the things that have reached fulfillment. These things were foretold. They were put in place long ago. And now, Luke reminds us, is the appointed time that these things have come to pass. In other words... This is not a message that Luke and his associates have started from scratch. Friends, this is a very old new message. A message that's been woven throughout redemptive history since the very beginning. What is Luke's gospel? What's this thing he's writing? Well, here in verse 1, he tells us right out of the gate, this gospel is a fulfillment it's a fulfillment. We can, we can see it, whether we know it or not, throughout all of human history. God's people have been waiting on this message, and everything, everything will hinge upon this Jesus and his work. Let's keep reading. Verse, verse 2 tells us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. What's Luke doing here in this verse. These are more than just filler words he's giving us. I think Luke is drawing a straight line between the apostles, those who were present with Jesus from the beginning, as eyewitnesses, as ministers from the word, and he's saying they, those apostles, those eyewitnesses, delivered this gospel to us. Now, That's a key word. Put your finger on that word in in verse 2. Delivered. If you're a highlighter, if you're someone who who goes deep and marks up your Bible, I'd encourage you, circle that word. Delivered. This word is a very big deal. In the original Greek, remember, Luke's not writing in English for us. In the original Greek of his writing, that term delivered is a technical term for passing on an official tradition. Let me give you another example of this word deliver being used elsewhere in Scripture. And maybe the the concept will will connect for you. This is 1 Corinthians 15. I'll put it on the screen. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. I hope you know this one. Paul writes, for I delivered. Got the word? Same word. Delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. By the way, little pause here. You know, according to scripture, according to the Apostle Paul, let let alone by the Holy Spirit, there is a thing in life that is of first, of primary importance, and it is the gospel. The most important thing of all the important things captured for us, delivered to us by God himself, is that Jesus, the Christ, died for the sins of humanity. That he was raised on the third day. And that that saving, substitutionary act is the hinge point for all of human history. It is our very salvation delivered what what's the point i'm trying to make what's all this mean for us here in 2022 well simply stated friends 
Luke is telling us this gospel that you are holding in your lap, maybe scrolling on your phone, is reliably delivered from the eyewitnesses themselves or to borrow the words from from Jude elsewhere in Scripture. It's the faith that was once for all delivered for us, for us, the saints. My friend, do you know that? Do you know that the faith that we hold in Jesus Christ is a delivered faith? It wasn't yours. You didn't have it. You didn't own it. It was given to you. And friends, this faith, this gospel is still being delivered today. You know, that's a very apt reminder for us here as we sit among the presence of Pastor Floyd Morosco as he's getting ready to celebrate his 100th birthday. It's appropriate that we celebrate Pastor Morosco's life and his legacy in the brief ceremony we'll have following the service. Again, you're all invited, but I, I got to remind you what, what he was here to do. The reason why Friendship Community Church is what it is through his leadership over 40 years is that he was delivering over and over and over again, Sunday in, Sunday out, delivering to us, the people of God, here at the corner of the road in Warwick Avenue, this thing, this gospel of first importance, faithfully, for four decades. What was Pastor Morosco doing? He was delivering. He was passing on from the reliable sources, the original eyewitnesses, the apostles themselves, what had been passed down to him, what had changed his life forever, for all eternity. And now because of Pastor Morosco's leadership, here we are. What's, what's our job? Same job as Pastor Floyd. Our job is to keep delivering. We're just couriers. We're passing on. We're delivering this message that was given, that was delivered to us. Let's so look again at the text here. We'll keep on rolling. We're halfway through the prologue. Verse 3. Look at it again with me, please. Luke chapter 1, verse 3. Luke continues. He said, it, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, O most excellent Theophilus. Now, please don't miss this. Luke is making it abundantly clear from the very beginning of his book that he has a conviction, that he has a commitment to accuracy. And that's our third takeaway. This gospel, Luke's gospel, is an accurate Gospel. After all, he calls it here in verse 3, an orderly account. And he wasn't messing. Luke is very ordered in his writing to us, as we'll see as we work through this book in the coming months. Remember, he says he's followed all things closely, verse 3, from some time past. Translation, Luke's saying, this one just thrown together now. <laughs> this Gospel, this account that I am delivering to you that was first delivered to me. It's comprehensive, Luke says. It's detailed. Boy, is it ever detailed. It's accurate. You can count on this, says Dr. Luke. 
And indeed, we'll see great evidence of Luke's accuracy, his orderliness throughout this book as we continue. Which is why, for instance, that Luke takes great pains to tell us where and when many of the events in his book took place. You ever notice this? You're reading through the gospel accounts, and particularly in Luke, we get all these geographical place markers. We get these time stamps. What's Luke doing? Well, well, look, just keep your finger here in chapter 1 and turn, uh, turn a page or two to Luke chapter 2, verse 2. When Luke is telling us about the census before Jesus' birth, and he's making the point about how Mary and Joseph are, are traveling from their home in Nazareth to Bethlehem, where Jesus would eventually be born, he goes ahead and tells us this really interesting geographical chronological marker. He says in Luke 2.2, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, which one of you here knows who Quirinius was or gives a flip? None of you. What's Luke doing? Why is he telling us? He's, he's making the point about Jesus' birth and how he got to Bethlehem. What's he doing talking to us now about Quirinius and his governorship? Well, you see what he's doing he is including real time and space details for us. Why? Well, Luke wants us to know that what he's writing is fact, not fiction. This isn't just general platitudes. It's got a timestamp. This really happened. And Luke says it happens here at this time and place. You can count on the historical accuracy of Luke's account. Side point, we also get in verse 3 here, the recipient of the book, his name is what? just wanted to see if you could say it. Theophilus. Theophilus literally translated that name, the recipient of, the, of this book that Luke is writing means lover of God or beloved of God. And there's some debate. If you want to go chase this rabbit trail, you can chase it. There's some debate as to whether Theophilus was a real person or perhaps is just a general way of, of, of describing all Christians generically, since we all could call ourselves in Christ lovers of God, correct? Well, the, the general consensus is, and this is where I'd throw my chips, that Theophilus was indeed a real person. And I think that this is the case because not only is he given this name, which was a common name in the first century, Theophilus is also given a title. Luke calls him most excellent Theophilus, which was a designation, a common designation at that time, reserved for officials or those of high social standing. So Luke's not just saying... Hey, lover of God generically, here's what I'm passing along. He's writing to a particular lover of God named Theophilus. And he is writing for a particular purpose, which he's been marching toward. And we're finally dangling, dangling our toes over here. His entire point in verse 4. Let's, let's read it. Luke brings us to the center in verse 4 of what he's trying to say in his introduction. This is where he spells out his whole purpose for writing. He says, I'm doing all this, Theophilus, so that, are you looking at it with, verse, with me, verse 1? Or excuse me, verse 4 of chapter 1. I'm doing all this, Theophilus, that you may have what? 
certainty. That's right. That you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. So let's make sure we're tracking. What is Dr. Luke's purpose for writing the book of Luke? Bingo. This gospel, if you're taking notes, is written for the purpose of certainty. Now, again, I'm going to geek out on you with the with the Greek because literally translated Luke's words are so strong. We miss the sense in English sometimes his wording is so strong that it's in, in fact a bit clunky. Literally from from Greek to English, what Luke is saying to Theophilus is that he's writing that he may recognize in full the certainty of what he's been taught, recognize in full The certainty of what he's been taught. That's why Luke is going through all this effort, is is writing this robust gospel work. Now, it's interesting, I find it fascinating that Luke uses the same phrase, recognize in full, later in his book when he's describing those events on the road to Emmaus. We mentioned that a few moments ago, how Luke is the only gospel writer who tells us after Jesus' resurrection that Jesus, in his resurrected form, appeared to two of his disciples, crestfallen, as they were walking along the road to Emmaus. And Jesus decided he was going to have a little fun with these guys, didn't he? He was messing with them, and, and they, they couldn't understand. They, couldn't, they were kept from recognizing his form, and so Jesus asked them, hey, what's going on? Here and they they say, "Hey, are you are you the only guy who doesn't know the events that have transpired here in Jerusalem? What's happened with this Jesus?" And as they walked along the side of the road, Luke tells us that their hearts burned within them, and, and Jesus begins slowly connecting the dots. He goes all the way back into the law, the book of Moses, and reveals to these unwitting disciples on the road to Emmaus that he indeed is the Christ that he needed to die. On behalf of the sins of humanity and now rise again. They finally make it there to Emmaus. And as they sat down to break bread. You'll remember right before Jesus climbed on that Roman cross. He broke bread. Giving thanks. Saying this is, this is me. This is what I'm about to do. My body's going to be broken for you. And as he broke the bread. Giving thanks. The disciples eyes were opened. And literally, Luke tells us, they recognized in full Jesus in the breaking of the bread. What point am I making? Well, I'm simply trying to say that in the very same way as those disciples had their eyes illumined, as Jesus broke the bread and revealed to them who he was, Our prayer here at Friendship Community Church as we work our way through this amazing gospel is that God would too open our eyes to recognize in full. To recognize, just like Luke is writing to Theophilus, to recognize in full the certainty of who he is as we encounter his life, his ministry in this glorious gospel. Friends, this is what Luke's book is designed to do. When we read it, we encounter Jesus' miraculous birth. When we read it, we encounter Jesus' 
perfect life. When we read it, we encounter his kingly authority demonstrated through all of his earthly teaching and ministry. When we read Luke, we hear about the sacrificial death and the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And these things show us, friend, there's, they're designed to show us without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus can be trusted. That he is who he says he is. Luke says to Theophilus and to you, to me in 2022, lovers of God through Christ because of what he's done. Certainty. May we grow in certainty. One biblical commentator named Philip Ryken is writing for the Reformed Expository Commentary, and he writes these words. I couldn't say it any better myself, so I just threw it up on the screen for you to say. Ryken writes this about uh, Dr. Luke and his intent for writing his gospel. Ryken says, Knowing that people sometimes have their doubts about Jesus Christ, and that even believers may struggle to gain greater assurance of their faith. Luke sat down to write the gospel of knowing for sure. That's Luke. Like a good doctor, Riken continues, Luke wrote a book to heal the doubting soul. As we encounter who Jesus is in these coming pages over these weeks and months, our prayer is that you too would grow in confidence, would grow in certainty, because Jesus really is Lord. He is who he says he is. He's God. So, I told you I would button things up early today, and that's my, uh, that's my intention. I've got one more question to ask before we, uh, we take a, a break. Well, I guess we'll sing a song and take a break before our, our program in a moment. And that's this simple question. We always try as we look into the truth of God's word to ask the application or what's this mean for me? If this is the truth, if Luke's gospel is designed to point us to certainty, then what do I do about it here today in Washington, Pennsylvania as I go about my life? Well, here's one very simple application for your friends. If you want certainty of this man, this God-man, this Savior Jesus, of who he is and what he's done, the Rx, written out by Dr. Luke, is read. Read this gospel. All of it. You know, if you were to start just reading through the gospel of Luke, it's the longest book in the entire New Testament, but if you were just to read the entire thing straight through... You know how much time it would take the average reader? About two and a half hours. That's less, if you're doing the math, than a typical football game, isn't it? So if those of you who are planning to watch the Saints tonight, the Steelers, nothing wrong with that. But before you start creating these obstacles in, my mind, in your mind, how am I going to carve out two and a half hours? Friend. You carve out two and a half hours constantly for all sorts of stuff. TV, YouTube, social media, exercise. If we, as the people of God here in 2022, 
want a fresh revelation, if we want to grow in certainty for who Jesus is, that's the point of this gospel, then friends, why don't we take time, maybe even this week, just to sit down and read it? One of my best ways of reading is, not by reading, it's by, by listening. As I'm, as I'm driving in the car, which I do a lot, I like to have something playing in my ear. What a beautiful thing to have God's word Working through my mind, especially as I'm like gripping the steering wheel and starting to get a little angry. I'm 70. Listen. Listen. To two, two and a half hours, that's all it's going to take. In your car, as you're washing the dishes, as you're doing the mundane things in life. Put, put it on a podcast. Get it in your ear. Let God's word soak into your soul. Or sit down, it's fine. Sit down with your Bible in your lap and comb through this thing. Who doesn't want, as a follower of Christ, to grow in the certainty of who he is and what he's done? Two and a half hours. Let's, let's start our study as we work our ways through these amazing chapters in the weeks to come with the, the 50,000 foot view. Just getting it, getting it in full from beginning to end. Let's read this thing and believe the one to whom it points. Certainty, that's what Luke's all about. And so as we end our time together in the word, may we take a moment to sing of that great certainty that we have through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, uh, the grave excuse me, by singing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for this glorious gospel that you've given to us through Luke's words, carried along by your very spirit, God. We pray that we would internalize these truths and that we would grow, Lord, as Luke has designed us to do, in the certainty of seeing and knowing who Christ is as we encounter his truths on these pages. Father, grow us up in the gospel. May we be men, women, children here at Friendship Community Church who prioritize this message that's been delivered. God, we say thank you for those who have gone before us. Thank you for Pastor Floyd and, and for so many who have served faithfully passing along this gospel. Now, may we purvey the light and the life of Jesus as we sink our roots deeper into these gospel truths. We pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Let's stand and sing, Blessed Assurance.